welcome to the show. Great to be with you today, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. What a great day. What a day, A. It is summer, and we are enjoying the summer. It has been like a heat fest in the south these days. Yeah, we we threw a festival inter hotanau. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> like, no no lie, it's like been a heat fest. The, uh, you know, there's been like, you know. 103 um, yesterday. Yeah. 103. Yeah, which is. Un- it's actually unusually hot for June. But uh, all that being said, like, um, we're surviving. We're very mm-hmm. fortunate. You know, all those things. So, anyway, great to be with you today. How are you? I'm so good, Paul George. Because t- today's the day, man. Today is the we day. We got a lot to celebrate today. This oh, is gosh. a big day. Um, <clears throat> I mean, so much to talk about. We just happen to be recording on Friday. Which rarely happens. June 24th. Yeah. You know, which is when the show comes out, like on the podcast and on air. Mm-hmm. We You pre-record it during the week, unedited, by the way. That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, it just so happens that we're recording on the solemnity of the most sacred heart of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is a huge day for us, the sacred heart of Jesus. And just rolling into the station this morning, like as we're coming in, we find out this crazy, amazing news. Yeah. Roe v. Wade is over. It's done. It's been overturned. It's been overturned, and uh, you know this is a huge victory for America, for for women, for children, uh, for our nation to to see the value of of the unborn. Now that doesn't mean that all the hearts are changed overnight. That's right. not what that means. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's a crazy day, which brings us kind of early on in the show to right to have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. Have you seen that on June 24th, 2022, Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States? On the solemnity of the most sacred heart of Jesus, which is actually taking the place on the day where we usually celebrate the nativity of John the Baptist, who was killed, beheaded, but we celebrate him as a baby today. Yeah. But the solemnity of the sacred heart of Jesus, which you were making the point earlier when we were talking before the show... Yeah, you, I mean, God's providence is all over this. So the, the law that was being challenged was passed by Mississippi okay, uh, with a 15-week ban on abortion because of a heartbeat. Which is crazy because, uh, you know, between Louisiana and Mississippi, we're usually last in everything. That's right. Uh, but, but not today. First in life. Right. Mississippi but, <laughs> took the lead. That's right. Well, and it was a heartbeat bill. That's okay. They called Explain it, right? that. Well, the idea that we're going to ban abortions in the state of Mississippi if a heartbeat can be detected, okay, which is only logical. I mean, any, yeah, this any, has nothing to do with uh, faith or, right. you know, it's science. Yeah, any ban on abortion is logical, right? But but in this case, it's a ban on. It, it's just can we all at least recognize that if if the baby has a heartbeat, it's a living, breathing. So this well, got brought yet, brought to court because now that the science has grown, you right. know, obviously they realize people have realized, even non faith people, that you know, there's a heartbeat, there's a life way before. You know, they ever thought back in the day, right? right? 50 years ago when Roe v. Wade was put into place. That's right. So this goes into the courts in Mississippi. Passes. It's a law. Someone sues because they want to abort their baby after 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. Because they think they can get some money probably. Right. So they sue the state of Mississippi. And that goes up to the Supreme Court. So it backfired on them. Yeah, I would say so. So so because the this got big in Mississippi, it goes to the highest of courts, the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And then as it's going through the process there. Well, 
for the law to be legal, Roe had to go because Roe v. Wade um, claimed that there's a constitutional right to abortion access that must be respected. Right? Federally so, mandated. Right. That everywhere throughout the country, there should be uh, the right, constitutional right to abortion should be respected and there should be no undue burden to access to abortion. And so most women wouldn't even know they're pregnant um, to be able to get an abortion in Mississippi. And so, because you weren't expecting to be pregnant, it's not like you were taking pregnancy tests, uh, waiting for it, the good news, it, it's a surprise, right? And so surprises are later, you know, many weeks pregnant. Right. And so it it did create an, a burden on people's access to abortion. Most women wouldn't be able to access it in Mississippi. And so these two laws could not coexist. Gotcha. You know, the Mississippi heartbeat law and Roe v. Wade could not coexist. And so it went up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court decided to uphold the heartbeat bill in Mississippi by overturning Roe v. Wade and uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey from the 90s that was built on Roe, so that's now overturned. I mean, all of the house of cards that was built on Roe v. Wade to allow, to, to admit that there's a constitutional right to abortion um, is now gone. There is no claim in American society and, and uh, judicial law that there is such a thing as a constitutional right to abortion. That's no longer in our in our framework, which is a huge victory, right? That doesn't mean that there's no abortion in our country. In fact, only 13 states have laws that immediately make it illegal uh, to have abortion once Roe v. Wade is overturned. We're one of those 13 in Louisiana. So are our neighbors, the great state of Texas, Oklahoma, um, and Mississippi. So that's awesome, but there's a lot of work left to do because abortion will still be legal in many states, and so we have to com- continue to fight for life, especially in those states. So it's amazing. Yeah, you mentioned today's the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It was a heartbeat law that got this done. Right. It's called Dobbs, the case in Mississippi. Yeah. Um, you know, which got pushed up to the Supreme Court. And as you were saying, in order to... The, so in the ruling on Dobbs' case in Mississippi, in order for them to uphold that case, mm-hmm. you know, and say, yeah, like... You know, there's a heartbeat, so, you know, uh, it only makes sense that, like, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, eliminating a life with a heartbeat, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, it logically just does not make sense. In order for them to uphold that, then they, they had to overturn, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. right, Roe v. Wade and right. everything else that was built upon that. Exactly. And so, it started this domino effect you know, where I think a lot of people out there and particularly maybe like maybe maybe pro-life people who, who don't understand or for like, right, pro-choice people who are like, you know, whatever, just thought like the Supreme Court just got in a room and be like, hey, what if we just overturn Roe v. Wade? We don't have anything else to do. Right. Right. Or how can we push our pro-life agenda, which was not not it? No, this this case got pushed up to the Supreme Court. Which, when that happens, like, they're forced to look at the case, right, and make a judgment on the case. And in, in doing that, um, yeah, like like you were saying, it all... It well, all and, and the decision down. is how we're going to interpret the Constitution. So it's more than just, like, you know, to me, it, this is a great victory that the Supreme Court is no longer g- going to be seeing itself, at least currently, as a legislative body, you know, as people who create laws. The idea is that Supreme Court interprets the laws that we make as a people through our legislative Mm -hmm. processes, right? Our elected officials that go into our state legislature and our national legislature in Congress, 
that's where laws should be written, and then the court interprets them. The tragedy of Roe, in addition to making it legal to kill, you know, over 60 million babies since 1973. 60 million, that's a lot. 60 million. In addition to that tragedy, it also uh, made a precedent that the court could, in fact, just create laws out of thin air. And they've done that in many cases. So this court decision recognizes the limits of the Constitution, that there is no constitutional right to abortion. There's no word abortion in the Constitution. There's not, no mention of any kind of thing like that. So it re-solidifies that there's a limit to what the Constitution actually says and puts the power back in the people to create laws. And, you know, those people who want abortion in the states that they've set up, there's a process that they've put in place to provide it. Um, but here in Louisiana and other states, we don't want abortion. We don't want it. You know, we, we want better for our women. We want better for our children than to convince women that the best thing they can do in their situation is kill their child. We want to take care of those women. We want to take care of those children. And uh, now we have the opportunity to do that because today, no abortions in Louisiana. That's true. That's right. Uh, the case is Dobbs versus Jackson in Mississippi. Um, so you can look it up, find out about it. You know, it's interesting. Like, if, okay, so we've been talking a lot about just the, the logical you know, uh, <clears throat> space of all, all this and how it's all happened. But when you, when you, when you overlay this, like the spiritual, uh, that this is all happening on the solemnity of the sacred heart of Jesus, mm -hmm. that's, you know, like you, you get into the spiritual realm and all the prayer and all that's been going on. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, and like you mentioned earlier, it, it would be the solemnity of the nativity of John the Baptist, his birthday. And so, in a lot of ways, today is both celebrating the birth of a child <laughs> and a heart. Hmm. I mean... On the same day. Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, how can you... <laughs> I think God gave his approval to, to, to this movement, uh, yeah. this this decision today. Yeah. No, I mean, on the spiritual level, you know, it's, you know, the, like... When you talk about the sacred heart of Jesus, like, you know, what do we mean there, you know, in the solemnity of the sacred heart of Jesus? You know, gosh, there's so much to talk about there because, you know, God's heart is all love. It's, it is this, 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 the sacred heart of Jesus suffered. Uh, it was pierced, you know, and in that uh, contained all the love of the Father for all of us, right? And, mm -hmm. the, and the overflowing love uh, of Jesus. So many of the saints... Uh, talked about the Sacred Heart of Jesus and um, had great devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yeah, it's one of our most ancient devotions, but it it, it really picked up steam um, relatively recently in the past few hundred years as, you know, when we talk about the Sacred Heart, <laughs> there's there's three layers of heart biblically. So, because there's three layers of life biblically. So in, in the scriptures... We see on the words of Jesus, but also particularly in New Testament writers, there's three layers of life. There's like our animal life, basically, our biological life. There's our inner life, our, our mind, our soul, where we, you know, we think and we will and we love. And then there's our spiritual life, which is this openness to God, this life that we live because we're open to God. And the core of all three, we can say, is the heart, right? The heart of our spiritual life, the heart of our, our soul, our deepest core being, but also our, the heart of our biological life. What's amazing is that God, in incarnating him, his son in the flesh, gives him a heart that is all three, like a heart that is literally a heart. 
a human heart. Hmm. And in that human heart is sustained a, a humanity, a flesh that is united to his soul, that is perfect, that is united substantially to himself, his son. And he, that heart contains the divine heart, the divine love of God. Like this human heart contains all of the infinite love of God the Father for humanity in the human heart of Jesus. Hmm. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's an infinite ocean of love, literally, but it's contained in the human heart of the incarnate Son of God. And it's amazing. You know, in this, this image, uh, we have the image right now of the divine mercy in our studio, but the, the rays of divine mercy come from the heart. They come out of the heart. They come out of the, the very core of who Jesus is. The solemnity of the most sacred heart, just uh, a little facts here, is a celebration that falls 19 days after Pentecost on a Friday, which is why it takes place on just specifically on this Friday, kind of overlapping of the nativity of John the Baptist, sort of a, a higher feast day. Right. Um, it, the first liturgical feast was celebrated in Rennes, France. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, in 19, 1856, Pope Pius IX established the Feast of the Sacred Heart as an obligatory of the whole church to be celebrated on the Friday after Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. So, Well, it's amazing. You know, you zoom in on these mysteries. We have like Easter. You zoom in a bit and you have the Holy Spirit. So this new life, we celebrate that Christ won in his victory over death. We share in that life of Pentecost. We receive the Holy Spirit, right? Then we zoom in a bit more, and, and part of that new life is this life of the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. Then we zoom in a little bit more on the Eucharist, and we see that the Eucharist is the beating, living heart of Jesus himself. Yeah, it's crazy. So check this out. Uh, this is cool because, you know, we're, we're, this is all coming together on a crazy day, but um, <clears throat> the devotion of the Sacred Heart of Jesus is much older than 1856. The beginnings of the devotion of the love of God symbolized by the heart of Jesus are found in the fathers of the church, including Origen, St. Ambrose, St. Jerome, St. Augustine, um, St. Irenaeus, St. Justin Martyr, St. Cyprian. Uh, like those, those go back to like, you know, what? OG. OG. Well, first century. First yeah. century, second, third <clears throat> centuries mm-hmm. as well. In the 11th century, the devotion was found a renewal in the writings of, of, of Benedictine and uh, uh, monasteries. Mm-hmm. Like that's that goes way back. The expression was given form by St. Bernard of Clairvaux uh, in the 12th century. That's how it got to France. Mm. But you, you see whether, whether yeah, the, the French, French connection. connection there, like it started bouncing around from Saint to Saint and then <laughs> Clairvaux um, in his famous poem, Prayer, O Sacred Heart Surrounded. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of the, the background, the history that like it goes way back, which is this, this celebration, this high feast day of the love of God contained in the heart of Jesus. That's powerful. All right, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less? Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844 844- Three eight seven eight five three three.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for being with us today, whether you're listening on the radio here in Acadiana, KLFT Radio, or on the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, whatever the case may be, SoundCloud. Uh, super glad that you're a part of the show and have been part of the show for 205 episodes. 205. Yes. Four years. 205. And you know what's significant about 205? Hmm. Nothing. I have no idea. <laughs> However, on show 205, uh, maybe there is some, uh, we celebrate a, a great feast day, Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yes. And uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade uh, yeah. on this June 24th, 2022. A day that will uh, inspire. You know, I've heard the, the pro-life march in D.C. every year, which was on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which is no more, uh, in January that they're going to start pushing uh, marches in every state on the day that Roe v. Wade is overturned, which is today. So I guess next year will be the first of those marches. So if you want to get involved, I, look, we're only here today because of the work of so many people since 1973 uh, to remind the country that babies are alive and that moms are better. You know, we, we can do better for moms than to convince them that they have no other options. So it's a great day to recommit ourselves to the pro-life movement. Yes, we were excited, right? But now every, every moment counts because we have the power now. The people have the power to say yes or no to abortion. So we have to change as many hearts. Today's the sacred heart of Jesus. Well, he, his heart is in our life because we need it. We have stony hearts without him. We have hmm. hearts that are selfish and, and um, not on fire. His heart is on fire with the love of God for us to change our hearts. Yeah, as the scripture says, you know, uh, give me a new heart, O God, it says in the mm -hmm. Old Testament. I mean, just, and that new heart is the heart of Jesus, contains the love of the Father, you know, and like, that's what we're praying about today on this feast day is like, Lord, like, give me a new heart, like revive my own heart, bring me peace and love and joy, you know, and <clears throat> all those things that I need in my life to come alive, you know, because mm -hmm. without the heart, we don't live. That's right. right. Like it, it is the, you know, I would say what, one of the most important. <clears throat> it's up there organs. as far as organs yeah, go. I mean, if you don't have it, <laughs> good, good luck, you know. Yeah. And But in that, like as Christians, it's super important for us to have new hearts, hearts that, that not only love God but love others. You know, because one of the, you know, the, you know, the big maybe arguments of, you know, the pro-choice side of the abortion issue is that, well, what are you, you know, what are you going to do with all these babies, you know, that people are going to have? Yeah. Well, instead of killing them, right, like instead of allowing murder to, to take place and like just eliminating life and having this culture where like we can just dispose of like life, like the bill in Mississippi, because science has caught up over the past 50 years, has allowed even non-faith-based people to say, oh, like at, at the moment of conception, th there's life, not just spiritually, but like physically, like biologically, like then there becomes a heartbeat. Like we know at 15 days, mm -hmm. right? Like, so like even logically on the science end, it's like, oh, like I got to wrestle with that now. The the kickback to that for, for like Christians who, who are called to love is, yeah, like n now we're, we're aimed with the task of, you know, uh, learning to love mothers even more who and helping them keep their babies or helping adoption agencies and people, you know, adopt kids and, and figure out ways to, to 
to deal with it that way. What we were talking earlier is there's so much funding on the abortion end. You know, states Huge. push funding, federal money goes to to fund abortion clinics. Doctors are making tons of money. Yeah. Now that money could be uh, <clears throat> funneled to agencies to help life. Yes, you know, to help with with uh, adoption. You know, adoption's so expensive in our country. Yeah. Like it's outrageous. It right? shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to pay forty thousand dollars to like bring a, a child into your home and give them life. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And a foundation to live. Like that's crazy to me. So yeah. a lot of those things can be figured out. I believe it can. It will. And for a lot of the pro-choice people, it already has been. You're just not looking. People aren't looking. But there's there's all that stuff's going on already. Yeah. Well, and, and like the heart, right? The heart brings in blood from the body um, and then sends it out to the rest of the body, right? So it's a, it's a pump. And, you know, the sacred heart of Jesus has been so offended by our sins, our wickedness. And this is what um, Our Lady said at Fatima and, and in other places, this idea that we are giving the sacred heart of Jesus so much to be offended by. But what does he do? He takes in all of that and then pumps out his mercy, pumps out his grace, pumps out his his victory over these things. And so... Yes, we've we've sent the Sacred Heart of Jesus much to be burdened by, much to be saddened by. But what he what he gives us on this day, the end of Roe v. Wade, is all the strength and grace we need to build a culture of life, to love women, to love babies, to love uh, you know all those people who 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 hate <laughs> pro life people, all those people who are going to be in the streets today and and over the weekend and for the next couple of weeks uh, vandalizing things or you know this is going to happen, but you know what? God is bigger than all of that. And he's given us all the grace and mercy we need to love well. And this is how the kingdom of God is spread. You know, we preach the gospel um, from the sacred heart of Jesus. It's not my ideas. It's not my words. It's not like I came up with this stuff for you, Paul, right? It's only because I'm part of that heartbeat. I'm part of, My heart, if it's in union with the heart of Christ, is beating according to his rhythm, right? And that makes the word and the message salvific. Same thing with the pro-life movement. The closer we get to the heart of Jesus, the more effective we are in proclaiming life Hmm. and loving it. Yeah. I mean, the church exists to bring the heart of Jesus to people, right? That we, that we come to know the love of God, you know, through the sacraments, through our baptism, through the Eucharist, through the word, uh, through evangelization, like we, like that's we exist to know God's love, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus came so that we would know the love of the Father. Like that is His mission, right? And in Him bringing the love of the Father, He brought the forgiveness of sins and set us free from our own brokenness. But we're not just left for dead; like we're brought to new life through Christ. And we are given a new heart. We're given new life uh, through Christ. Uh, that's why baptism, you know, in baptism, like you teach RCIA a lot and have in the past is, you know, baptism, we die. Like that, the immersion into water is a symbol, uh, symbolizes not only life, but it symbolizes death. Like mm-hmm. you die in Christ and then you're, you're raised up with him into new life. You're given a, a new heart, you know as Ezekiel says in the Old Testament, like that, that God, it, you're born again. Yeah. Well, in, in our heart, those three layers of life that I was talking about earlier, you know, our, our spiritual life needs a new heart. Our 
soul needs a new heart and our body literally also needs a new heart. And that's what's amazing is God cares about us enough through his heart that is both uh, human and divine. We will be given literally new bodies in our hearts. So, I mean, think about the heart beating in your chest right now, right? Like God is saving that heart for all eternity. He's going to raise it from the dead. You know, the, the heart of Jesus beats forever, and not just figuratively. His literal heart that was enfleshed in the womb of the Virgin Mary will beat forever. Mary's heart is beating forever. When we're raised from the dead, our heart will beat forever because God loves us enough. I mean, who, what father among us would not want to save the heart of his son? You know, if it stopped, that would be the, the most pressing thing. And God, who loves us so much, sees, seeing our hearts stop, seeing death as the consequence of sin, he's not okay with it. You know, he gives divine recitation to his mercy that he's going to raise us from the dead and our hearts will beat forever. Hmm. It's amazing the love of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, you know, it. it <clears throat> we've talked a little bit like on, on uh, some of the show, but, you know, there's been Eucharistic miracles over, you know, the centuries, yeah. right? And within the Eucharistic miracles, one thing that, that's obviously consistent is that there is a blood type and that, traces you know back to like this this historical man mm-hmm. <laughs> right and Jesus and 2000 years ago right like there's this there's this but it's a there's the flesh is alive like the scientists would would say that the blood type in the flesh like it's a it's a living organism mm-hmm. because it's not dead right it's not a dead sample it's not a dead sample it's a live sample you know and like that's what you're saying is like the the heart of Jesus is still alive. It's not a dead heart. Like it still that's beats right. for us. Yeah. Right. And, and look at that beautiful image of we know that the Eucharist is the heart of Jesus, right? But you have to be told about it. You have to be that has to be shared with you. You have to be able to look deeper than what appears to be bread or appears to be wine. You have to look deeper to see the heartbeat. I mean, what a beautiful image for what we're telling the country today about babies. You know, you have to look deeper. You know, I know it's not obvious to you for whatever reason that this is a living human being, but look a little deeper, hmm. right? And you'll see the heartbeat. You'll see the living. And and this is why, you know, Padre Pio, we'll talk about him in a bit, I guess, but he had this amazing uh, encounter. You know, Padre Pio, he wasn't this, uh, as you know, because you're writing a book and you're including him in that, but he wasn't like this super nice pastor guy. Like he wasn't like friendly, was- friendly pastor Bob. He was a very intense <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. Very intense guy. So here's what I'm going to do. I think, I think we should do a weird Catholic stuff. What? Yep. Why are y'all so weird? We just have to be. Do you have to be weird? We as have to be weird. You Catholics are weird people. Yep. Weird Catholic stuff. Yeah, so he wasn't... Uh, the nicest guy, but so he would confront people even in confession about their sins. We, we hear a lot about Padre Pio's. Uh, no, he wasn't mean, but he no. was like very, I guess you could say direct, like yeah. uh, direct, uh, focused. He was very intense in his prayer and his mm-hmm. devotion and uh, in his meditation. You know, people would, you know, he, he could be in a trance in a sense of meditation for hours. So people would, you know, you're like, hey, it's dinner time, and you're just like, what? He's, Leave me alone. Yeah, you know, he's just like, <laughs> he so like in, entranced with his connection with God, you know. So like, uh, yeah. 
he was probably an extreme introvert too, like on yes. the personality scale. Yeah. And so like, if you know anything about introverts, like, you know, they're, they're part, a lot of times like ad, adverse to noise or distraction or, you know, after being around people, like they need some downtime. And so, yeah. you know, well, the, the story goes that he would, if, if, People came with abortion. There's this one in particular. There's a woman who came with uh, many abortions that she had committed, but she didn't confess those sins, and uh, she wasn't sorry for them, so Padre Pio wouldn't absolve her. And then she told somebody else about it, another priest. So the priest was going to say, Fa- pa- Father Pio, why did you not forgive this woman her sins? And he said, well, she wasn't sorry for her abortion. And he said, the, the day that we lose the horror of abortion our country's over because in every abortion, Padre Pio, every abortion, two sins are committed, a homicide and a suicide. And the priest says, what do you mean a suicide? He said, it's unthinkable that as humans, we would let the elderly live and kill our children. Hmm. That's racial, like as a human race, we're committing suicide through abortion. Wow. That's Padre Pio. Wow. Yeah. Well, he was uh, one to tell you like it was, <laughs> Yeah. which the, a lot of his miracles that you hear about or read about come through the confessional because he was a mm-hmm. great confessor. One being that, you know, like he was very spiritually in tune, uh, but he didn't, he didn't like beat around the bush. Yeah. Right. Like, but the other spiritual gift that he had that is written about is that he could read souls. And this is the weird Catholic stuff, which is the weird Catholic stuff. And it is a spiritual gift being that, uh, say this woman went to confession and she confessed, but she held some sins back. Like she didn't confess that she had an abortion mm-hmm. nor was sorry for it or remorseful. Uh, he had the ability to read the soul and to know that there was more there mm-hmm. and, and to, to almost even know your, your sin. Yeah. Which is weird, which is crazy. It's a spiritual <laughs> gift that not a lot of people have. I mean, you have to be really in tune with the Lord, almost like he, he also had another spiritual gift of bilocation, which is also weird. a spiritual gift and also weird, which <laughs> we can assume that Jesus had, right? Like Jesus could, could be at, you know, like, yeah, I mean, multiple locations at once, multiple locations, which is wild. Yeah. And the, the weird story about that. Um, so in the, in the confessional though, like the, the, he could be so entranced Right. in the spirit that it's not him as a human reading the soul. Okay. So like, I just want to clarify that, mm-hmm. that it, it's Jesus reading the soul who knows everything, who knows everything. Yeah. And he is just, um, in persona Christi, like, so in persona Christi, like he, he might not even know he's communicating or how, like, so like, that's how in tune he was with God. Like, that's what makes him such, um, you know, this saint, that we're still talking about today. Like he had these spiritual gifts that he might not have even known he had. Like, think about that. Yeah. Like that's how spiritual, like he might not have even known he was bilocating when he was bilocating, but there were reports and like, like that confirmed that he did. Maybe you do that and you don't know it. And he could have been like, I had had no idea I was (laughs) in like, you know, this place and that place at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the particular story, which is, if you haven't heard this, this woman goes to confession to Padre Pio. He says, well, you're, you're leaving something out. She says, no, I'm not. He says, yes, you are. 
And so he asks her to close her eyes, and he says, what do you see? And she says, I see a man dressed in white, kneeling in prayer. Hmm. And he says, that's the baby you aborted back in college. And she had, you know, as part of the mechanisms for dealing with the trauma of abortion, which is, uh, you know, when you murder your child, part of the mechanisms of dealing with that was many women block it out of their memory. Like, they literally just don't think about it, and it's blocked out of their memory Mm because it's so traumatic. So he says, that's the baby you aborted who would have been the next pope. Wow. Or would have been pope. Um, And so that's the, the famous story of, the aborted future Pope uh, that Padre Pio helped the woman see. So she confessed her sin. She found healing from that abortion. And, uh, yeah, that's the, the weird story. <laughs> that's that's crazy. I actually, uh, you know, a lot of times, like, people say, well, you know, what what do you know? You know, you know, what do you know about abortion? And, you know, I've never had an abortion. Or, you know... Um, had you know like a girlfriend or like a you know like but i did have a really good friend you know my wife and i had a really good close friend and still do who in college had two abortions mm-hmm. before she ever was in the church or came back to the church or faith and uh i we were there the day that she um opened up about it mm-hmm. like just told like our small group and uh and then kind of walked with her through some of the the guilt and shame and the weight that she had been carrying for years. And I I can't even describe the pain that she had. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't even put into words, like once she started processing what she had shoved down, I, I can't even like put to words the actual pain that she felt or described or talked about from what you know she did or was mourning the the lives that she would never know like it it it's hard to even explain you know but i was there with her like we we walked with her and journeyed with her and my wife even closer uh, as a woman but like it is it is the the if you don't shove it down and pretend it's not there like and just like you know kind of or a zombie you know through life about it like it, you start to deal with it 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 carries it carries a huge weight, you know. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought up a couple of fallacies that we're about to hear a lot more about from the other side of this issue. Is one that the church or pro-lifers don't do anything for women, uh, you know, post-abortion or, or instead of abortion. I mean, there are beautiful ministries like Rachel Vineyard's uh, retreats for post-abortive women, for um, post-aborted men, you know, that lost children through abortion. There's all kind of ministries the church is doing and uh, our country's doing to care for women and men who have both had an abortions and to help them not have abortions. Yeah. And it's because it's necessary. It's because abortion is traumatic. It's the death of a child. And even if, you know, a woman caused that death or a man caused that death, they still lost a child. You still lost it. and need to be healed. You know, it can be related a little bit, but... But on a greater scale. So you and your wife have been through multiple miscarriages. Yeah, three. Yeah, three. So there's there's pain and grieving that goes with that, particularly for the woman who yeah. carries the life. Like the man, yes, for sure. But emotionally, like the woman carries the baby, and there's a lot that that she processes. Right. Yeah. Sadness, grieving, uh, even thinking about that life later on. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, where would that life be? How old would that life be? 
people have described like imagine a miscarriage where you intentionally got rid of the baby and so the weight of that on top of losing a life that like that's what people carry yeah. uh, emotionally when it comes to abortion and um, you know, it was interesting that um, <clears throat> I, I was reading this article. It just happened to be around Father's Day, and it just it honestly like disgusted me. You know, because we had talked about men on our last show around Father's Day, and mm-hmm. I, I was reading an article, and the article was an article from men about men on Father's Day who were talking about how abortion has made them a better father. Wow, it was basically saying like, you know. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be the father I am today if I wouldn't aborted the baby back then, like a previous life, because mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to be a father. Mm-hmm. But I'm ready to be a father now, so that made me a better father today. Wow. And like I was like, this makes zero sense logically because here's the reality: like none of us are ever ready to be a father. Like what makes us a father is actually when we have a baby and we're like, I'm actually choosing to be a father, mm-hmm. you know, you choose, you just choose to like walk with that child, right? Like that's what makes you a dad, a father, mm-hmm. like <clears throat> having a child doesn't make you a dad. Walking with that child does like I can have a baby and leave my family. That doesn't make me a father or a dad. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the idea that I, I'm a better dad because I, killed my child is a uh, literal insanity right but yet you know i guess and this is where john paul ii i think has a lot to offer in the coming weeks his encyclical on the the gospel of life and his proposal that we build a culture of life instead of being a part of this culture of death is critical because it's the culture of death whether we know we're part of it or not that allows for an article like that to be written and taken seriously because what else do you call that other than the culture of death, where mm-hmm. I think death is best for my children hmm. um, and for me? You know, the death of my child is better for me. That is the culture of death perfectly stated. Instead, let's offer a different view for this man. And again, not in a judgmental way, not to say this man is is going to hell or not worth. No. In fact, I know that the God loves this man and all men who have... Uh, pushed or helped their girlfriends, wives get abortions. Um, God loves those men and wants them to have the heart of Jesus, the heart of Jesus that loves those children. And there's a lot of healing that needs to take place. And, you know, you brought this up earlier. I hate, I hate the fallacy that because I'm a man, I can't love women. Mm. Because I'm a man, I don't understand women's issues. I don't understand abortion. I don't, I can't, I have nothing to say about abortion or children in the womb because I'm a man. Hmm. I hate that fallacy. But you know why? Because the definition of a man is the one God created to love women. That's the definition of a man. I am literally built physically, spiritually, emotionally to love women and provide for children. That's what a man is. And so we cannot give in to this pressure as men to think that because we're men, we don't have the ability to love women who are in a crisis pregnancy situation or to love children who, who are in danger of abortion. That's exactly what we were built to do hmm. is to love these women. Right. Hmm. And so I hate that fallacy. It, it, it cuts to my core as a man. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, 
Paul, do you ever feel like more of a man than when you're loving your wife and children well? I mean, that is the most masculine feeling in the world. It's when I feel most alive, when I feel most like my purpose is being fulfilled and accomplished is not when I abandon my kids or my wife or when I'm just totally into myself and what my own wants and needs are. But when I'm loving them and, and when I'm doing that well, you know, mm. that's when I actually feel most alive and most purposeful. I'm like, I'm doing what I was created to do. You know, and that's right. what men are created to do. Men are created to love and fight and defend, right? Yeah. Uh, what is most beautiful in the world? Well, what is most beautiful in the world that we're created to fight and defend? Life. Mm -hmm. The lives of our wives and children. This is why men have gone to war for centuries since the, 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 the birth of the earth, right? Like earth birth. Th this is why my men have defended. What are, what are they defending? You know, like th they're their bank account like no like when men like do that they're defending life right protecting mm -hmm. freedom of life this is where men become most alive you know and so this whole fight for life uh has it, it's not it's not for women to fight alone no it's for men to like take the lead and like fight for them and that's where we find our greatest purpose well and everywhere you find the thought that killing this child is better than bringing it to term. Everywhere you find that, there's some man who failed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's not like women totally. just get pregnant on their own. <laughs> and there's Hello? some man in that situation that has not been man enough to say... Either Take we, ownership. Right. Either we did something we shouldn't have done, but I'm going to make this right. Mm -hmm. Or, look, I will, I will find a way to provide for you and for this child. Every crisis pregnancy is a crisis of manhood. Yeah. Amen. Therefore, men have a responsibility to fix this problem, right? Absolutely. Okay. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. It's uh, It's been a wild week. Oh, and it's Paul. summer. I mean, they're Great having uh, what they call um, blackouts in Texas, you know, where they like shut down the electricity for like 10 minutes to save energy. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling blackouts. Man. I, you know, it's talk, like. Talk about some grumpy Cajuns. Particularly like in huge cities like Houston, you know, because it's yeah. like there's so many people on the power grid, right? Like, so you don't want it to shut down because everyone's got their air conditioners cranked up, <laughs> you know, or right. down or whatever. Uh, whereas here, like, probably not so much the case. Like, it's just as hot. But, like, we're not, we're not a huge city where we're, like, all on the same grid or whatever. So they like, right. will shut down like a neighborhood for like 15 minutes. You're just like, oh, it'll be get hot. And then 
whatever. Yeah, but you know them Cajuns got their generators ready. They're going to shut our power off. Man, boy. We ain't going without I'm our AC. to crank that up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so then the gas prices are an issue. Anyway. Yeah, no, there's a Let's lot of issues. In. I mean, like we've been talking about issues all <clears throat> all uh, show, but uh, kind of heavy show, but there's a lot of other issues going on. <laughs> yeah. You know. But Roe v. Wade's off the table now. Right. Even with all the other stuff. Right. Let's take that big one off the table. We still got pain at the pump. That's right. <laughs> the gas pump, that is. You know, but if you do think about it, like from a year ago, like if you were going to drive on vacation, <sighs> this year it's twice as much to drive it's on crazy. vacation, right? And Which is a big deal if you like to drive far for vacation. Yeah, yeah and I, I've been having to like, you know, book flights for some speaking engagements. And even those flights are you're just like, whoa, those are super high. You know, gas prices yeah. affect affect everything. But, you know, all that being said, you know, the inflation is here. Like, we're kind of in the middle of a recession. Someone told me that I'm probably making 8% less this year than I did last year, even if I'm making the same amount of money. 8%? Mm-hmm. Um, because of the inflation. And, you know, a lot of things like that. And which... That's rough. To be honest, like... You know, like we're talking about it, but like if you were to just drill that down to like every family or every person, it's like there there's a lot of anxiety and stress that comes with that, you know, because oh, yeah. financial stress and stress of raising a family or paying bills or whatever is like real, you know? Well, and those, I mean, yeah. And that's why I love today's feast, just to bring it full circle. But in general, the promise of Jesus is that you know, we don't know what's just around the corner. We don't know what this fall is going to be like in this country. We don't know how people are going to react to Roe v. Wade being overturned today, this weekend, next week. Like We don't know. Um, but God knows. Right. And he's never surprised. And he's supplied in his son Jesus and in his love for us and his sacred heart everything we need to right. be victorious. You know? Yeah, I was reading my devotional this morning and prayer, uh, <clears throat> a book by Father Jacques Philippe. It's called The Nine-Day Retreat. It's basically like nine days of reflection. He's got a ton of good books, but I was reading one of the days this morning. And in the book, uh, yeah, it's called Nine Days of Peace or something like that. And in this specific reflection, he said, you know, at the heart of like our anxiety and worry is not that we lack certain exterior things. Hmm. So you think about that, you're like, oh, yeah, well, if I had more of this or more of that, my life would be better, right? So it's not the, our lack of, you know, our lack of peace or anxiety or worry doesn't come from uh, the lack of exterior things, but our lack of trust in God. Hmm. And it really hit me like, yeah, you just nailed it. You know, like, yeah. like the more like I trust and have faith, like my, my worry gauge goes down. You know, like it, it, that temperature gauge just goes down, my, my fear, my anxiety, my worry. And then the less I trust in God in that moment and just start to think about all these things, man, my worry gauge just, just like begins to go up, 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 you know? Oh, yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's part of the beauty of the devotion, I think, of Sacred Heart because it's so interior. And so as we think about the heart of Jesus, it causes us to think interiorly. Right. You know, because you're right, we could be focused on... This year was bad for that for me. I, I, I just had so much going on, so much work, so much, Change. you know, that I found my mind just constantly thinking about all these things. Yeah. yeah. And it hits me in prayer sometimes. I'm like, man, I need to turn that off. I need to turn the outside off. Yeah. And the Sacred Heart of Jesus is a powerful tool for me. It's a powerful devotion to just cut to the most important thing, which is Jesus, right? It's in, in, in my interior, in my uh, heart. 
Right. You know, I mean, I tried to, you know, my daily prayer and devotion, I try to spend 30, 40 minutes of quiet time. And I still struggle mm-hmm. <laughs> with worry and mm-hmm. anxiety throughout my day. I can't imagine, like, if I didn't pray at all. Like, yeah. I would be a mess. Yeah, you would be. And I'm already a mess. I wouldn't want to meet Paul George that didn't pray. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, the best version of me is someone who prays more than that mm. and throughout the day so that, like, my constant, my constant, like, just flow and tune is, like, in line with God. And it's just, it's just at peace because I'm trusting and, and the moment that I get away from the, that, I'm frantic, right? Like my mind's just nonstop. I'm, I start to worry and think and everything's just going like this and this and, you know, inflation that and cost and family right. and kids. And before I know, I get, you know, by the end of my day, like I am so like internally in turmoil mm-hmm. that, that it's just like, what just happened, you know? <laughs> and, and you're right. Like the sacred heart of Jesus is is an internal devotion. It is reflecting on the heart of the Father contained in the love of Jesus mm-hmm. and that love being consumed in our own heart. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and God taking over our interior life. Yeah. Man, that's an image, God taking over our interior life. And that, that is the life Jesus promised us when he said he wants us to have life abundantly, life to the full. He came that we might have life and have it to the full. It's that spiritual life. He used that word Zoe, which is spiritual life, when he said that. It's when we open up to the Father so much, exactly what you said. He, he takes over our interior. He takes over our mind. He takes over our bodies. He, and not in a possession way like demons do, you know, like the devil does. Right. But in, in a very uh, life-giving way, which is like a heart. I mean, a heart pumps out blood to the whole body in the same way Jesus wants to be our heart. He wants mm-hmm. to pump to us everything we need in our spiritual life, our mental life, and our, our body even. Yeah, I just want you to think, like, you know, listening on the show is like, if God could take over your heart, maybe he has, but, like, just, like, just go with me here. Like, if he could just re reclaim it, reclaim your heart, mm-hmm. uh, wh- wh- where do you need, like, what do you need the most? Like, mm-hmm. wh- you know, where, and I'm, and I'm speaking to this to, like, to all the listeners, like, everyone who's part of the show is, like, I constantly have to go into my interior life and my prayers like, okay, God, like, what are you trying to speak to my heart? Like, where are you trying to like fix the broken places or rearrange some blood flow or like, you know, uh, take a dead part of my heart and bring it back to life. Like this is the interior conversation that we're having or should be having. And where is anxiety taking over worry or fear or constant thoughts? Where am I not trusting in you? Mm. And it really does boil down to that. Like when I, Either either I'm trusting in God or I'm not. Like there's sort of not like an in between. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And you know, for me, I know um, my trust corresponds exactly to my hearing His voice hmm. because when I trust things that Jesus told me, I tend to get anxious and worried about many things. Hmm. I think back to, all right, Jesus, you called me to be a dad. You called me to be a husband. You called me to, um, you know, do this work. And now it's so big, right? Mm-hmm. Like you called me to do this. And so I've been doing all these things. I find that my trust directly corresponds to my ability to in every morning actually hear him speak again. Right. And build a life that day around what he told me that day. Right. Because when I think about what he said in the past, as great and glorious as it is, 
then I think about all the things that I've had to do since then to keep it all running. Right. You know, and that's where my mind is. But when I hear him speak in the morning every day and I, I hear his heartbeat every day, that allows me to trust because I only have to worry about what he's telling me today. Yeah. When I go without that, man, I, I'm dead. Which is amazing because the gospel for the solemnity is Jesus, um, <clears throat> the shepherd going after the, the one lost sheep. Mm. I mean, what a great gospel for today. Mm-hmm. Like for the solemnity of the heart. Of, like if you want to describe the heart of Jesus, it's the heart of a shepherd who goes after the one lost. Yeah, That's us. Like that's like everyone. Like that's us. It's what man among you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them would not leave the 99 in the desert and go after the one lost until he finds it. And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. How about that? Mm. Like, think about that. Like, God sets you and me and whoever's lost in your heart on his shoulders with great joy because he loves us that much. Like, that's that's the sacred heart of Jesus. Mm. Like, he's not going to stop looking for the lost. Like, so wherever you are, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a small tune-up or you've been way off or somehow, you know, came upon the show and you're like, ah, how did I start listening to this? Is like wherever you are on the spectrum of, of life – like the sacred heart of Jesus is is searching for you to to lift you up and put you on his shoulders with great joy to bring you back home to where you find real life, which is in the love of the Father. Yeah, and if you're a baptized person, you you know how much we fall short of God's love for us, right? Like God loves us so much. He gave us his son Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, and we know this and we know we fall short, and if if you're in the position right now where you think that you've offended God too much to mm-hmm. let his heart take over your life, right. you don't understand the sacred heart, because what the sacred heart is, it's a burning furnace of charity that can burn up all of our sins. Not one sin can survive, if, but we have to give it to him, right? Yep. Like, in that image of the heart, we have to return to the heart of Jesus. He, he has the power and the intensity of love to destroy all of our sins, not that we'll never sin again, okay, or be perfect in this life, but eventually we will be perfect in heaven, but to actually resurrect our hearts. And so, um, yeah, like Paul said, if you're, if you're just finding this show for whatever reason or, or this message, this idea that I just want you to know that God loves you so much that he's provided every means of forgiveness and mercy and destruction of sin in the heart of his son. Mm-hmm. And you have nothing to fear or be afraid of. God knows your heart already. You're not going to surprise him with how sinful you are or you know he knows us already in our sins and our faults he loves us so much that he's he's given us his son uh to be that furnace of charity yeah man it's good yeah so in the sacred heart of jesus as uh the lord has claimed all the hearts of the unborn today Mm -hmm. may Mm -hmm. he claim our own hearts that we may be brought to new life and given a new heart in christ today How about that? That's a great prayer. That's a great prayer. All right. Thanks, everyone, for being a part of the show, for listening in on the podcast, on the radio. Extremely glad you're a part of the show. Feel free to share it and invite people to it. And, uh, yeah, in the heat of the summer, stay cool, refreshed, (laughs) and we'll be back next week. God bless you.